So we should be in the habit of thanking God. I think that's something that is a definite given. And when we, when we are thankful, uh, it's one of those things that spurs others on to greater work for God. It's, other, it's, it's those things that cause people to go, well, you know what? God is active and real. And sitting in this context that we have here this morning, and even you guys at home, we, we don't know what's going on with the people around us. We don't know their situation and position in their relationship and walk with Jesus right at the moment. And it could be you just leaning over after the service and talking about something that God has done for you this week, which they go, you know what? He is active and real. He is doing stuff. I'm so excited that he's done that for that person. And it could turn them back to the Lord. It could encourage them in a dark moment to say, you know what, I'm going to press on. I'm going to continue to follow him. So leading up to Focus Sunday, which is in six weeks, we're going to be doing a series based on Master Life. We've had a bit of trouble with this lately. No worries. So we're going to be doing a series based on Master Life. And most of you should have heard about Master Life by now because we've spoken about it fairly openly. But uh, I think it's important to give a short summary uh, of what Master Life is all about. And Master Life consists of four different books. And each of those books is a six-week series uh, for each book. And the goal is um, to be discipling people. And it's about making those who participate in this course to be more like Christ. And uh, the first is used over a six-weeks period, and uh, as are the others, and it's called the Disciples' Cross. And uh, it's about growing spiritually, and uh, for those who do the course, they'll find that within that course, and certainly within our lives, the true foundation of a life lived for Jesus is Luke 9.23. If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And realistically, that's what our Christian walk and life is all about. Um, and in, in the book, there's direction and practical application, and it includes how to abide in Christ, how to know assurance and confidence by engaging in God's Word more. It's about learning new skills to interpret and study His Word, as well as sharing it with others. And you'll be directed in how to pray in faith, engage in deeper fellowship with other believers, discover the joy of sharing Christ with others, and realize how fulfilling it is to invest in others by ministering to their needs. In all of this, you will develop Christ-like attitudes. You see the fruit of the Spirit uh, in your own life and the lives of others around you as you share the journey with them. And this preaching series will not only provide a bit of the above, but my hope is that as we go through it, you'll want to be one of the participants in doing this course. All of the leadership have just done it as far as the elders and pastors. Um, A number from the Connect groups have done it. And uh, we're actually going to have a sign-up for it on the 14th of February. So that's the week after Focus Sunday. There'll be a sign-up for anyone who is interested in uh, being a part of this course. And as we move through these few weeks... The topics we'll be giving an overview on uh, are the six key disciplines required to develop that deeper relationship with Christ. And they are spending time with the Master, living in the Word, praying in faith, fellowshipping with believers, witnessing to the world and ministering to others. Let's pause and pray. Father God, I, I thank you 
for Master Life. I thank you for the impact it has had on everyone who's done it in this church so far. Thank you, Lord, that there's people who have evangelized for the first time. There's people who have prayed with people they never thought they'd pray with for the first time. Thank you that there's challenges to them, Lord, to do more for you, not for the sake of work, Lord, but because they realize that you call them to obedience and now they have this passion, heart and desire to obey you and to live more for you and less for themselves. Father, as we go through this short message this morning, I just pray that you'll be present in power, that people will open their hearts and minds to you and that Holy Spirit will minister to us in such a way that will spur us on to greater work for you, that we'll have this heart and desire to inquire of you, Lord, as to what this means for us as individuals. Just draw us to you, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. So today we're going to look at that for the first of those subjects and that is actually spending time with the Master. And as we move through this, uh, part of the Disciples' Cross is, is a number of memory verses basically based on John 15 and that's why John 15 was read out this morning. And so for each of these disciplines, as I've said, there's a key verse. Uh, there's Luke 9.23, uh, which is one of those, but John 15.5 is, is the key memory verse for spending time with the Master and that is, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And apart from me, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. And most of us will recall having heard this passage at one time or another. And uh, you would have heard this verse earlier. But what does it really mean to abide in Jesus? And part of Master Life and certainly this first book is learning through illustrations. And the illustration for the Disciples' Cross is all for believers. And the first part of the illustration starts like this. And the circle represents your life. And so John 15.5 is, is what it is all about. It is about us abiding or remaining in Christ in such a way that we engage with him each and every day until the circle of our life is filled totally with Jesus. It should be the aim for all Christians that he is given more and more influence in our life, that we submit more and more to him. And he fills our life in such a way that it isn't just about what we do in church. It isn't just about our personal quiet times. There's this overflow which goes into our workplaces, our schools, our communities, our neighborhoods. And Jesus is everything for us. And that overflow just goes from us out into the wider community and so in order for Jesus to have that influence in our life first and foremost he must be the priority he must be the first priority and I can't speak for you but I can speak from my own experience and many of you are aware that I made a commitment to Jesus at one stage but it was not really a serious commitment it was one more of those life insurance type policies where I didn't want to go to hell, I wanted to be in heaven and so I knew I had to do something. And so I called Jesus my saviour because I didn't want to go to hell but was he really my Lord? I didn't really want him to be Lord of my life. And when my first, life, when my first wife left me, all that changed. And I felt challenged by God to make a choice. And he said to me quite clearly, Charlie, you're either for me or you're against me. It's really a no-brainer. I wanted to be for God. I didn't think I had the choice. And he called me to commit all of myself to him. And it was one of those moments where I had to deny 
my wants, my desires, what I thought I needed, what I thought was best for me. And I had to be determined to follow him, to replace me with him. And I went from wanting to live a life for my pleasure and enjoyment to a life living for him and his purposes. And I knew I would continue to mess up. I knew I wouldn't always get it right. But even in those early days, I knew he would help me. I knew he would guide me. I knew he would strengthen me. And the call for me and anyone else is found in Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. And it's about making Jesus number one in your life, making him the number one priority. Now, I know you've heard me speak about this before, and I actually don't like that term because I believe if you make something a priority, there's a chance that that can get shifted and something else can become the priority. I believe that Jesus should be the very purpose of our lives. Everything we do, how we live for him, it's everything. And so... The outworking of even him being the purpose of our life is that people see he is the number one priority. So use either term. And I want to ask you, if people examined your life, if people looked upon you, what is clearly first in your life? And if everything was stripped away, what is the one unshakable, unmovable priority that you have? If it isn't Jesus, you need to change. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus unless he is number one, unless he is the purpose of your life. And he needs to be more important than anything or anyone else. For those of us who are married, and I'm not wiping everyone else, but if we are married, our first commitment is not to our wife. Our first commitment is not to our husband. Our first commitment is to Jesus It is Jesus, then it is your husband and your wife, then it is your children, then it is your work. We so easily mess up. So many think that even when they serve the church, that that should come higher than so many other things. But if we don't have these things sorted correctly, we will not be truly fruitful for the Lord and we won't be truly fruitful in whatever ministry we take on. And when we make... Jesus, that number one priority, that purpose of our life, we come under his control. I know, I've experienced the struggle it is to keep Christ as the purpose and the focus, the number one priority of our lives. There's things at certain times that weigh us down and demand our time, and that can be family, it can be work, it can be the responsibilities that we have. And it was no different for the disciples I, I, don't, I haven't heard it lately, which is a great blessing, but so many people say they had it so much easier in biblical times, it's no wonder they could spend time with Jesus. But it was no different. Luke 14, 26 tells us, Jesus says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And he said this to people who were following him. He said this to people who were spending time with him. He was calling them to consider the choice that they were making. And and we have heard it said before that hate is a bad translation here, but there's little else that you can use in English that indicates what it should be. Uh, What it's really saying is uh, that you love everything less than you love Jesus. You love everything less than you love God. To be committed to him first and foremost. 
And everything else comes after that. It's all about priorities. But as I said, we often struggle to get this right. I want you to think about Peter. I want you to think about this guy. And this is the guy who said he would die for Jesus rather than denying him. He said that he loves Jesus more than any of these other disciples. He said that even if they fall away, Jesus, I will not. But he did. And the thing is, being under Christ's control, being fully submitted to him, is something we slowly learn. We don't get it right straight away. I'd love to. But it doesn't happen that way, hey? The beautiful thing about our faith and our Lord is we're all like Peter and we mess up. Sometimes we make boasts that are foolish. And we may give up. We may think that we're beyond being saved. But Jesus never gives up on us. We're told he'll never leave us, never forsake us. And again, think about Peter. He ran from the Lord in his time of need. When Jesus could have done with a few friends, he was afraid to stand with him. He was afraid to be counted as one of his. Forty days later, this guy, who is scared to be associated with Jesus, stands before a crowd, the same crowd that was responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus. And he boldly stands for them 40 days later. And he says, this Jesus who you handed over to be crucified is the Son of God. You better repent. And this boldness came as a result of Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit fell on the disciples while they were gathered together. They had made a recommitment to Jesus and his commands upon their lives. And you know what? The same Holy Spirit that came in power at that time, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, is the same Holy Spirit that raises us to new life in Christ. Do you believe that? You should, because it is. And the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that indwells us. We can have that same boldness. And there's people here who've shared with me through doing Master Life, they've experienced a little of that boldness. And they've spoken about Christ to their friends and others for the first time ever. And they've seen him move in such a miraculous way. And the only way to maintain this is to stay connected to the vine. This is about remaining or abiding in Christ. And this is where Christ's lordship comes into it. Uh, this call is to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord of all of our lives. And you've heard me say he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And it's true. That was the transformation for the disciples of Pentecost. He gained came and indwelt their lives through Holy Spirit and he provided all they needed in order to be like Jesus and to live for his will and purposes. And I want you to think again about the memory verse for, for this subject, John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is who will bear much fruit. Apart from me, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. 
And what we need to realize is that our lives are no longer ours. This is where I messed up as a young Christian. I wanted to live for Jesus, but there was this part of me that wanted me to be recognized as well. I wanted people to like me. I wanted to be people to see me helping others and say that that was well done. I want people to acknowledge what I was doing as being good. And that was just feeding my ego. That had nothing to do with Jesus. And this verse, this verse tells me that if I abide in him, I will bear much fruit. And apart from him, I can do nothing. And it took me a while. But slowly I realized what others think of me doesn't matter. And now I couldn't care less. It's got nothing to do with my walk with Christ. I want to honour him. And it doesn't matter what people think of me as I do that. And so I had to repent. I had to ask for forgiveness. And then I had to offer myself afresh to him. And this is something I do each and every day. I spend time with Christ in the morning. And and I'm with him. And I offer myself afresh to him for that day. I want him to use me for his plans and purposes each and every day. I read his word, I pray, I ask him to reveal his purposes to me. And in order to do that, I find a place where there's no distractions or minimal distractions. Because I want to hear him. I want to fully focus on him. I want to experience him. I use it to stay in touch with God on a regular and consistent basis. And it's the only way we can abide or stay connected to the vine. We have to get to know him. And that's achieved through our personal quiet times. Each of us needs to set that time aside. And when people come to me and speak to me about this, I encourage them to make an appointment. doesn't matter what occupation you're in. That time's blocked off. If someone else says, hey, can I see you at this time? You can actually physically flick through your diary and say, sorry, I've got another important. And he's a pretty important person. No. But you say, no, I've got an appointment. I can't see you at that time. And offer them other times. You need to keep those times. And you don't allow anything or anyone else to take priority over God. And it's all part of disciplining ourselves and taking all necessary steps to remain connected to the vine. And to fill our life with Jesus, to live as we should, we need to learn to obey If we call ourselves Christians, then our lives should be completely turned over to him. Our desire should be to obey him. And when we do, we can say that we stay connected to him. And the evidence is that we bear fruit in our lives. Learning obedience is learning to obey Jesus' commands and his teachings. And just a few of those is John 15.10, which tells us that when we keep his, his commands, we abide in his love. John 14, 21 tells us that whoever keeps his commands show that they love Jesus. And when we love Jesus, we will be loved by the Father and the Father will love us. And Jesus will manifest or reveal himself to us. John 13, 34 and 35 is Jesus giving us a new commandment. And that new commandment is to love one another just as he loved us. And he says, when we love like that, the whole world will look upon us and know that we are his disciples. And that's speaking about the love here. That's speaking about the unity we should be striving for. That's speaking about putting away what I want, what I desire, my rights, my privileges, and saying, you know what? I'm going to live for the others in this church because I'm going to love them. I'm going to agape them. There's so many of them that are so hard to love, but I'm told to love them. And that's a choice I'm going to make. And in making that choice, you grow the church. You grow unity. 
to be a disciple, we must obey Christ's commands. No other option. If you don't, you're not a disciple. But you know what? It isn't a burden. I know when I used to speak to people about coming to faith and living for Jesus and things like that, they're like, but all this stuff I've got to give up, all this stuff that I'm no longer allowed to do, all this stuff that doesn't honour and glorify him, I don't want to give that up. And we seem to think about the stuff we have to give up. But we get so much more. It is such a privilege and a blessing to know him. When we obey his commands, we are kept or remain in his love. We show ourselves to be his disciples and he reveals himself to us. Isn't that an incredible blessing to have he who created us, he who died for us, he who blesses us, reveal himself to us, the maker of heaven and earth, he who is enthroned in glory at the right hand of the Father, who intercedes and prays for us, who wants the very best for us. And as we submit to him, we will bear fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And again, I know we don't get that right all the time. But it should be growing. It should be part of our life. And there's an ultimate fruit all of us are called to produce. And that's bringing others into the kingdom. Jesus' last words on this earth were, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. Make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that i have commanded and behold i'm with you always even to the very end of the age and we're called to bring others into the kingdom that's simply telling the good news about jesus and i know there's some of you who struggle knowing scripture struggle knowing how to quote the bible he's not asking you to do that He's asking you to testify to the difference that he has made in your life. That's all. No one can refute that. They might call you crazy. So what? But no one can refute your experience with Jesus because you know it to be true. Quite simply, this is calling us to be disciples who make disciples. And obviously, it won't be easy. There's going to be challenges that obedience there are times i haven't been obedient to god and i think i've shared with you a few times about being in garden city one day and the guy in the wheelchair coming towards me and god told me to pray for his healing i didn't know this guy and i didn't do it i didn't do it because i was afraid nothing would happen i didn't do it because i was afraid this guy wouldn't get up and walk and who am i to tell god what he should do when i pray for that guy I was worried what that guy would think of me. I was worried what the others who would obviously be around hearing me pray and seeing me pray for this man, what they would say when nothing happened. But now, if I was given that opportunity again, I'd handle that situation very differently. I have this desire to obey Jesus, to do what he calls me to do. And I don't care about the outcome. That's not what it's about. It's about me being obedient. And again, I know I won't always get it right, but what I do know is that it is God who works in me, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. If he calls me to do something, I'm going to do it. Outcome's up to him. And he may do something miraculous. And he may just say, thanks for obeying me, Charlie. 
You know, we don't, we don't see so many miracles in Australia, but uh, in, in my last, well, before I became a pastor, the last church I was in on the sunny coast is a church called LifePoint. Uh, LifePoint does this massive Christmas thing every year. They haven't done it this year. And uh, the last year I was involved, we reached 28,000 people in 10 days. They came through our church, 28,000 people. And uh, I remember one year, um, we had a particularly miserable start where there's a couple of inches of rain, um, water, sorry, flowing through uh, all the outside presentations because it had just bucketed down. Not a lot of people had come to the presentations we'd done and we, we were all down a little bit. And this family rolls up with this little girl and, and uh, this little girl, um, they brought forward and they started speaking to the senior pastor and they said, we came to this event two years ago and our daughter was blind. And we asked you to pray for us and nothing happened on the night and two weeks later our daughter regained her sight and she was standing there in front of us seeing and I'm like why did you wait two years to tell us and again here we were all miserable because we were in this terrible situation and suddenly everyone was just praising God. It was like a wave went through the whole church and you know, we had about 400 people volunteering to serve uh, on those nights and all of us were just praising, rejoicing, thanking God. Miracles do happen. We just need to be looking for them. We need to be praying to God. We need to be believing that he can do it. Thank you, brother. But there's challenges... And Jesus has created this desire to obey him. I think it's true for all of you. If you just took time to think about it, he creates this desire in us to obey him, to follow him. And I'm no one special. I stand before you, but I'm no one special. I've told you before, I didn't want to be a pastor. My wife didn't want to be a pastor's wife. But part of being obedient to God has led me to this place, this point this is my vocation right now and I have to be obedient. As disciples of Christ, we need to realise uh, we are not called to obey and follow him just to be good or in order to get into heaven. He calls us to be part of his work. Isn't that awesome? He wants us to participate in what he's doing on this earth. His plan and purposes for redemption of everyone on this earth. Think again about the disciples he called while on earth. He called Andrew, Peter, James and John who were fishermen. And they could have said, well, Lord, you know, we've just set this business up. We've got to keep this running. We've got our family. We've got our community who depends on what we're doing here uh, in order for them to be able to survive. But they didn't. They dropped their nets and they left. They obeyed him. Mark 11 tells us that his disciples uh, were to go and get a cult for, for Jesus. And if anyone asks what they're to, why they're taking or why they're doing it, just to say the master has need of it. And in Master Life, they, they do a modern-day analogy of this. Can you imagine if I said to one of you, Ken... There's a ute down the road. I want you to go and get that and bring it back. And if anyone asks you what you're doing, just tell them the master needs it. Would you do it? It's like, would I do it? And it'd be a lot easier if it was Jesus standing in front of us saying that. But sometimes Jesus calls us to do crazy things. And sometimes it's a test of obedience and sometimes it's a precursor to him doing something great. And the question is, will we obey? 
when we read the accounts of the disciples, we see that they desired to be faithful to Jesus. They did what they were called to do for the most part. But Jesus didn't leave them on their own. They didn't have to work this out for themselves. He prayed for them. He prays for us, interceding at the right hand of the Father. He sent Holy Spirit upon them and Holy Spirit empowered them. The same Holy Spirit is sent upon us. He gives his written word for us to understand his plans and purposes. We can know his will. He calls us friends. He no longer calls us servants because servants don't know their master's will and purpose. Friends do. He loves us. And when we ask, he will give us all we need to live a life of victory with him. He wants us to overcome all of the challenges we'll face in obeying him. So pray to him. Ask him. He will strengthen us. He will empower us. He will equip us. So the challenge for us today from this message is about spending time with the master. And leading into the new year, my desire is we'll no longer be a people who have this great knowledge of Jesus. Knowledge of Jesus is useless if it doesn't move us to action. My desire is we become a people of action. If your Christian life to this point is no different to those around you, who don't know the Lord, you need to change. Not my word, God's word. Consider where you are before Christ. Luke 9.23 says, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Everything you want to be, everything you desire, nailed to the cross. John 15.5 I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and, re- and I in him, he it is who bears much fruit. Apart from me, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Please consider it. Use this opportunity, use this time to resubmit your life to Christ. Let's be a church that is totally transformed this year. Father God, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for challenging us. I thank you for exciting us when we commit ourselves to you, Lord. I thank you that your word comes alive to us. I thank you that we can just submit to you and ask you to provide all we need, Lord, to complete your will and purpose in our lives. And you faithfully and joyfully give us those things, Lord. And Father, I just pray for the people gathered here this morning. I pray for the people at home as they're hearing my voice that they'll have this desire to submit afresh to you. Lord, so many of us are living for you now and I thank you for that. But Lord, they know there's no problem in resubmitting again to you now. Father, we want to be a people who humble ourselves before you constantly, who willingly give ourselves over to you for your will and purpose. So Lord, by power of Holy Spirit, fall on us afresh today, I pray. Transform us, Lord to be more like your son and to draw others to you simply because of that. In Jesus' name, amen.